Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing Podcast Rooster Road Trip Recap, day number two. And uh, we have a very special guest, our, uh, our basically our, our guide for the day, right? <laughs> you picked the spot, you shot that. the first bird, you... Uh, you You're making it sound good. Well, you... You did habitat work on these projects, um, and the person I'm I'm referring to is Megan Howell, Farm Bill Wildlife Biologist for Pheasants Forever in Murray yep. County, correct? Yep. Um, as a way of introducing yourself to the audience, I'm going to go straight to the heart of the matter. You have a Brock du Bourbon. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, I have two of them. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Brock's. On this podcast, we're going to talk about Bloody Mary asparagus. <laughs> we're going to talk about pheasants, roasted a roasted pheasant with morel mushrooms and cranberries, apples, and ramp butter and couscous. And we'll talk <laughs> about a water slash mud retrieve <laughs> on this podcast. So let's start with the Brock du Bourbonnais. And you popped out of the truck as we all met together in um, a walk-in access project. Roughly 8.30 in the morning, we got together and, and out pops Biscuit. Yep. <laughs> Tell us about Biscuit. Okay, Biscuit is my eight-year-old Brock du Bourbonnet. I can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's my first hunting dog. She has been... Um, really great to work with she's about 40 pounds hmm. um great house dog she turns the fire on once she gets into the field and uh she's just overall a great hunting partner so for folks that maybe have never heard of let mm -hmm. alone hunted with a brock are they a flusher are they a pointer yep. are they what, what explain the uh hunting she style. is a french pointing dog hmm. so um yeah, she uh, originates in France. Um, our first one was, uh, she just passed away. She was 16. She was like number 253 in the country. And uh, Biscuit is in the 900. So there's not very many of them in the United States. Wow. Um, they're gaining a little popularity. Hopefully people catch on. <laughs> <laughs> and what what appeals about a Brock? Um, for me, I like their size. They're about 40 pounds. Um, they're easy in the house. They have great temperaments. They're a little more uh, soft-tempered, um, a little less energetic until you get them into the field, and then they're, they're ready to go. So they're just mild-mannered and easy to deal with, and they're just fun to watch work. And we met Biscuit. Biscuit, yep. B. Right. Yep. yep. B. B. Uh, today and Quincy was at home. Yep. Quincy's only four and a half months old, so uh, he's just not ready yet. And, and you were saying that you know there's only 900 of them here in the mm -hmm. United States, so you had to travel a ways to I, get your four four month old. Yeah. Um, went down to Arizona to pick him up. So Cactus Country Kennels is where I picked him up. <laughs> so it was a pretty uh. Pretty crazy adventure during a pandemic, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it was well worth it. <laughs> All right. So we met at a walk-in access, yep. which if folks, maybe they, they don't know you, they might know your face because three years ago, you were the, the 
cover photo of the Minnesota Walk-In Access Atlas, correct? Yes, I was. How'd that happen? <laughs> well, uh, I when I first started working for Pheasants Forever about four years ago, uh, that was actually the first program that I got to work on. And so um, I signed up this parcel in Murray County and ended up going out hunting with uh, one of my coworkers who had uh, not been hunting before, or pheasant hunting before. And um, I had just moved to Minnesota. I hadn't shot a rooster in Minnesota yet. So uh, we went to my very first walk-in access that I signed up. And uh, lo and behold, I actually hit, hit the rooster and I took a, or my buddy took a good picture of it and we uh, sent it in. I actually sent an email um, to the DNR, thanking them for the program and mm. for the opportunity to work, not only work on the program, but actually get to take out a hunter and bag my first Minnesota rooster on that site. So they ended up liking it, and it went from there. It went from the um, email to the Star Tribune to the walk-in access <laughs> cover. So it all stemmed from really a, a thank you note. Yeah, that's pretty so awesome. Yeah, it's just a cool program. Well, and you explained that earlier in the day about mm -hmm. just how excited you were about here's a combination of everything you care about. Absolutely. It just brings it, it brought it full circle for me from being able to sign up the site to uh, taking my friend, our friend and coworker out, and he hadn't had a lot of experience pheasant hunting or watching a dog. And I was still trying to get my first Minnesota rooster and it just all came together that day. And that's what's, uh, it's just a special moment in um, hunting and my career. Yeah. So it just brought it all together for me. And you have a wonderful blog on our website right now. I do. <laughs> Tell us about, put, put that blog into your own words. Um, so I guess it's called through the eyes of a biologist. And um, that's really how I start. I was just thinking about it, and I just started writing. And when you think about all the different things that go into a program um, to make it work, um, there's just so many different aspects. You know, you have to get funding. You have to have the right landowner. You have to have the right land. There's so many different things that go into it to um, have it all come together. And uh, that's that's what I wrote about, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so the walk-in access program, mm -hmm. Minnesota's WIA. Mm -hmm. So if, if folks are listening from other states, it's um, equatable to plots in North Dakota, so mm -hmm. private land, open to sportsmen. Um, it's a, um, open fields and waters in Nebraska, uh, Weeha in Kansas, IHAP in Iowa, OLAP, Here's the acronym soup, OLAP oh. in Oklahoma. But it's basically Minnesota's um, uh, program that pays landowner, private landowners a fee to open up their property for public hunting access. Correct. Yep. And, um, you know, it's, it's a great program because I think it, it brings it full circle. You have the landowners who are there um, – most of the landowners I work with in the walk-in access program really just want the opportunity to be able to let other people on their land without maybe the liability mm -hmm. of having somebody come out there and get hurt. So in this program, they get paid a small fee or a small 
fee for um, letting people access their land, and then they're also covered under the insurance, and they don't have to worry about that liability. Uh, do you do you know what how many acres are in the state right now? Ooh, no, I don't. I I, I, I want to say it's like thirty thousand now. It's it's yeah. been growing pretty um, pretty well in the last mm-hmm. couple of years, and it's a combination of uh, federal funding which is part of the farm bill, right? VPA, mm-hmm. HIP, Voluntary yep. Public Access, Habitat Incentives Program, and state funding that marries those two things together and creates um, an opportunity to access private land mm-hmm. for hunting. Uh, in Murray County, in the acres that you work in through walk-in access, how many or what percentage would you say are built on top of CRP? Oh, man, I would say... N- 90 plus percent right because that a lot of folks like um aaron our our new videographer newer videographer mm-hmm. you know driving in the truck and you know he's he's learning and asking these questions and that's mm-hmm. one of the questions that ca- comes up naturally and i think it's in, indicative of a a lot of people they see these octagon signs they're kind of a neonish yellow, yellow right yep. And they chartreuse. see these chartreuse. Yeah, that a good fishing term, yes. right? Right, <laughs> very good fishing lure color. Um, not as good as pink, but uh, it's I'm still with you there. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> but folks see these signs, and because it is a relatively new program, it's a little bit of a head scratcher still. I think for mm-hmm. a lot of people, um, you got to pay f- um, an extra validation mm-hmm. on your license. Um, three dollars or five dollars based on if you want to make a donation to the program right and then that opens you up to have access to these acres and a lot of them like you say 90 percent plus wouldn't exist without the conservation reserve program being kind of the foundation of the opportunity for folks yeah you're absolutely right it's a crp it's a it's a great marriage between the two programs it just makes it all work. Um, so you get the call from Andrew, who, who's, I'm sorry, I didn't even introduce you today, did <laughs> hey, I? I'm just I staying just quiet over right here. In. Yeah, it's, <coughs> I'm not trying to butt in, but I'm sorry, folks, that we're looking forward to the fact that maybe I got left in a ditch somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> nope, I'm still here. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> went right for the uh, Brock Dubois. It was a, a new dog to talk about. I went right for it. I, I don't blame you for that because um, I was telling Megan this earlier today. When I first started at Pheasants Forever, um, that was kind of my indoctrination to bird dogs. I'd always known labs, chessies. I was more of a duck guy, so I just kind of knew the retrieving breeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've learned about upland hunting and kind of learned about the, the breadth and scope of the upland bird dog world, mm-hmm. I cued in on the Brock. Like as an intern, I was like, I, that's the dog. Really? I, oh yeah. That was the dog. How I did wanted. that happen? That's what I was wondering. Where because did you... I, I saw a photo of a, of a fawn Brock. So like that white and yep. kind of vanilla brown color. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was the most gorgeous thing I'd ever seen. And then I did a little bit of digging. It's like, okay, it's a manageable size, like you said. Its temperament is kind of like a mix between a Brit and a GSP. Huh. Uh, it, it seems like it could be a bit more manageable in the house, but it still has, you know, the ability to the get drive. out. Yep, the, the ability to get out there and hunt. And our uh, our good fo- our good friend Ray Han at Garmin, who you mentioned in an earlier podcast, he uh, he said something to me one day, and it was along the lines of. 
life's too short to stare at an ugly dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he's used that line right? since. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, that, that was why he, is, wa- he wanted a red setter. Right. He, he, <laughs> went out, he went, and I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, and so I've just always been infatuated with huh. him. It's just one of the more beautiful looking bird dogs that I, I know. And for folks that have probably heard the first part, a brock, there's actually a variety of brocks, right? Yeah, I don't know how many, but there's the so Brock Francis. Brock Francais. Francais. Yeah. <laughs> You're right? way more fancy than that. His last name's St. Pierre. I know. Which I believe is the French short hair, uh, more or less. And then, um, oh, our buddy, the Hunting Dog Podcast, Ronnie Bame, right? He is the Brocco Italiano. I love those dogs. They're beautiful dogs. That's my next dog. Is that? <laughs> yes. Well, you just got a four and a half month dog. I know. Dog. I have a while to save up. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's a Bracco. And then for Brock. the folks at home, the Brock is B-R-A-Q-U-E. Yep. Right? Oh, we, I suppose that is we, a difference. We made you spell that at least five different yeah. times today. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Cause it, so do you know what the Brock part of it refers to? What that means? I do not. Okay. I wonder what the distinction is between a Brock and a Bracco Italiano. If they are more similar or more different. Italian versus French? I That's, don't know. Yeah. One originates in I'm a Minnesotan Italy. that grew up with a lab, yeah. and, and <laughs> sure, now, I have a, now I have a French Brit, and I was just I was just so happy to see another French dog yeah. in the field today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes sense. Sherbert versus ice cream, right? <laughs> 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 well, that so... <laughs> I, I'm glad you jumped in with your, your fascination with Brock's. Who knew? Yeah, when I found out that's what she was running, I, w- uh. I was ecstatic to see one in the field because, as she alluded to, they're not super popular. You don't get a chance to see them very yeah. often. Yeah. Um, so not only did I have a feeling we had a ringer joining the group. We had just, a ringer, Just for sure. because of her position and, yeah. and uh, where she's located and her passion for quality habitat because – Habitat produces birds, and she knows habitat. Um, and add the Brock to the mix, and I was I was really excited for today. It was a pretty awesome day. Well, we're gonna unveil the entirety of the day, but I want to start with the transition Andrew made to habitat. Yep. And you picked the walk-in access where we started. Out of mm-hmm. all these projects that you've worked around, you know, from walk-in program to WMAs to all sorts of different. Um, choices why did we end up where we did we ended up there because that one is one we've done um, quite a bit of work with I got to work with a landowner who was pretty ecstatic to find a program that um, allowed them to do the walk-in access program but not only that PF had some money or found some money to do some restoration work on some of these sites. So mm. if the landowner uh, enrolled in the walk-in access program, we had some funds to help improve the habitat. And so on this particular site, um, we had a lot of volunteer trees coming up and uh, Brome was starting to take over. And uh, we got funding to do a prescribed burn and we removed all the volunteer trees and it ended up coming back to this big beautiful stand of big blue stem and Indian grass and just thick thick cover I mean the first year after the burn you could barely walk through it Mm. so it was a pretty incredible transformation and so and it's got something a little bit of everything on that walk and access site you can turkey hunt it you can deer hunt it Mm. you can duck hunt it and you can pheasant hunt it it's got everything so for a person that doesn't know what the reference volunteer tree is, what does so that mean? 
So uh, little trees popping up all over the prairie that are not supposed to be there. I'm not talking a grove or anything like mm -hmm. that. Um, just kind of polka dotted across the landscape. So it doesn't really, um, it's not conducive to quality habitat. Gotcha. So it kind of chokes out the native grasses and forbs, um, and it results in less wildlife quality. And you talk about native forbs. Flowers. <laughs> flowers, <laughs> yeah, right? Flowers. <coughs> and um, that was the, so today is October the 13th. 13th. Yep. That was the greenest most picturesque field picturesque field that i've been in in a month um were those sunflowers that were still poking yeah. up there oh yeah yep okay. right because because there was sunflower. green yep. flower or well green stems and these bright yellow flowers like yep. all the other flowers goldenrods sort of kind mm -hmm. of dried out and muted back and but there was a lot of color in that field it felt like it was still august yeah it, yep, it, there's a lot of diversity so that um, the fire we ran through there um, before we ran it through there there was a brome there wasn't very many uh, forbs or flowers out there and that fire really stimulated that native forb growth because when I was um, oh like seven or eight years old I, I played a lot of right field and they put me in right field because I would pick dandelions <laughs> and I was paying attention to the pretty flowers rather than the baseball game which happened to me today because I was paying attention to the yep. pretty flowers when my dog went on point and then a bird got <laughs> up and <clears throat> really easily made shot that I was looking at the flowers. <laughs> That's my new excuse today. Well, then my job was done, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I wanted not. to show you some habitat, and that's what I and did. You did. I I was captivated by that habitat. <laughs> you're, you're getting really good at the excuses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that man. one was almost believable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. I need them because I I missed a fair amount today. I think which, we all did. Well, we also ended up connecting a lot. Yes, today. we did. Uh, we ended up with a fair number of birds in the bag, and we'll, we'll walk through those. Because <laughs> 10 minutes in, we should have had a first, and we didn't, and that was my fault. <laughs> but And my dog it holds me accountable more than anybody else. Um, but we had a beautiful walk. We flushed some additional um, hens. I don't know. We flush another. We flush oh yeah, another, another rooster. rooster. Two roosters, yep. two hens on that site. Yep. And um, like you say, it had a grove. Could very easily see where a person would bow hunt, like you. Yep. Yeah. Because <laughs> you bow hunted <laughs> yes. there, right? Have you turkey hunted there? Yes, I have once. <laughs> have you duck hunted there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually my first time pheasant hunting it, though. Well, I, I can clearly see why. It was it yeah. was absolutely a gorgeous piece of property. Yeah, and there's lots of diversity there. Kudos to the work that you did. And I'm assuming when you talked about the habitat funding, mm -hmm. that, that was that the Murray County chapter that helped pay for that? No, it's a program that Pheasants Forever uh, helped get funding for called the Walk-In Access Habitat Enhancement Program. Okay. So it was just a pool of money um, that we found and set aside for walk-in access um, landowners so we could improve the habitat because a lot of those um, a lot of those landowners that are setting that land aside don't have the means to fund quality habitat, okay. but that doesn't mean they don't want it. Huh. So, so when, when a landowner enrolls, 
the assumption is, my assumption, and maybe it's wrong, is that they personally don't hunt it. Is that not necessarily the case? Maybe they w- are looking for funding to actually improve the habitat, and then they still hunt their own that own property? I've actually seen both ways happen. Uh-huh. Some, um, I would say a majority of the ones in my county don't necessarily hunt it, but there are a few that have been signed up to um, – maybe get some of those dollars to help improve the habitat okay and they'll so they'll sign it up and they usually end up actually re-signing too it doesn't it doesn't put a lot of pressure on right on the land so huh um you mentioned it when you were talking about being on the cover of the walk-in atlas that that was your first minnesota bird yeah yep. tell us about where you're from and and uh kind of you grew up mm-hmm. hunting too yeah, so uh, I grew up half my life in northern South Dakota and h- half of it in um, Iowa. I grew up uh, north of Mobridge, so oh, but I bet I was five, six years old walking with my dad and his friends, and I still go back there every year, and I hunt with those same people, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. We're, wa- we're walking the same public land that I grew up hunting. I did take a break from hunting um, in high school, so... When I moved to Iowa, thanks, Iowa. (laughs) 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 But, um, yeah, I got back into it, and now I go back every year. And then I think the first line of your blog was something to the effect of I I was a hunter before I was a biologist. Yeah, my my hunting, you know, just as a child, going out hunting with my dad, not even able to carry a gun, had a really vast impact on my life. Hmm. So I, I grew up doing it with people who I love and um, who have watched me grow up and it became more of a more of a um, it's not about just going out and bagging birds mm-hmm. it's about the time with your family and friends so. was that growing up in northern South Dakota mm-hmm. so Mulbridge area yep. which many of us think about <laughs> Mulbridge and think well yeah everybody pheasant hunts in Mulbridge right. is that true well, there's a lot of people that come up to Mobridge area. I grew up a little north of there. And nobody really goes up that way because there's not a whole but lot up there. Like all your classmates, like boys and girls, were they pheasant hunters? Oh yeah, yeah. M- much more, more more so up there than I guess what I've experienced um, moving numerous times in my life. Cool. So it's more of a way of life up there. All right, so. We we finish walk in axis number one, mm-hmm. and we're birdless. Yeah, I felt terrible. <laughs> oh, you didn't feel as bad as I did, <laughs> but it, because that was gorgeous property, and that it was a really great cool. selection. But you also made a great selection where we went number two. So tell us about that yeah. property. So the next place we visited was another walk in access area. I'm a little biased. I love the program. So and actually, like on my in my spare time I hunt mostly walk-in access properties they're little hidden gems so um, yeah so we uh, got to the second property which was about half the size maybe uh, a little tougher walk um, I don't remember how many birds we got up there I know I got I bagged one that's all that's all I cared about well, that's, that's, that's all that matters at a certain level um, but when we first pulled up there they're ripping out the corn right across mm-hmm. the street yep and a lot of the corn on some of the other surrounding sides uh, had already been removed. Mm-hmm. And so we're all looking at each other like, well, this 
this mm. checks off a, a lot of the boxes good. in terms Jackpot. of this looks yeah. really good. It had a great little wetland uh, area in, yeah. in the middle. And we had heard from other people, and we've, we've experienced it ourselves, that there are definitely some birds already in the cattails, which mm -hmm. is somewhat odd from my experience. And that was where the first flush actually happened. Mm -hmm. I was on uh, one far end, and I was looking down the line, and I saw a bird get up out of the marsh. Mm -hmm. And my, my initial reaction was, Duck. oh, it's a mallard. Yeah. And then I kind of caught the tail. It's like, whoa that rooster like came off the water like mm -hmm. what the heck is wow. going on there um but and it, then a hen shortly after that yep um it, yeah you're looking like i, I didn't even I see, didn't see any of this. <laughs> it was pretty tall grass yep. and um, um and the wind was picking up it was how so you couldn't hear quite as well as, mm -hmm. as you wanted to and the grass is just waving nonstop. yeah um and Hopefully it doesn't get too windy tomorrow, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, so we walk around that wetland, and Megan, I think you were on second to the last, right? Mm -hmm. And I yep. was the pivot. I was the center of the, the wheel. <clears throat> and Logan and I were together towards the pivot, and our dogs were birdie, birdie, birdie mm -hmm. for – and Baxter was in that mix too for a little while, right? Oh, yeah. And – and so three dogs were birdie for half a section. And then we pulled up and like, okay, they're going to pivot. They started turning. And like, I looked at Logan and was like, it's going to happen <laughs> here soon. And it wasn't long when you get, when, when you, you and Matt and um, started turning along that field edge. Take yeah. it from there. Yeah. So as we were turning, um, uh, a really young rooster got up, but I saw the colors and I actually hit it. You made so, a great shot. <laughs> thank you. Because that was not a close flush. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was glad to see that I actually connected because I, I was mean, that pretty was like nervous. Forty I wanted, yards. Yeah. Fifty yards. Yep. Yeah. I get lucky sometimes with You're, those long shots. We spent man. the day with you. <laughs> You don't have to BS no. us. You're not lucky. You're a very, very good shot. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Because, so y you bag that bird, and I think, so we wheel around the, the um, that wetland, and we had a couple of nice points on it, but they were all hens, right? I don't mm -hmm. think we saw any more roosters, which was sort of surprising because, like you yep. say, there was, there was corn coming out all around there. Which made me, again, think, I wonder if they're just in the cattails. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to say that out loud because I didn't want to be volunteer just to go walk through. <laughs> right. That's the lab's job, isn't it? <laughs> no, that is the lab's job. We have a big lab along for the ride. No, just south of that property, though, it actually connects to a really big wildlife act or wildlife area, not a wildlife, hmm. oh, not a WIA, but so, you know. Okay, so so just beyond where you, you pivoted, mm -hmm. that was uh, WMA? It, yep. Okay. So that's all public, so. It, yeah, I didn't see the signs, but I did mm -hmm. look and see, well, there's more grass beyond. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know it was public. I should have uh, should have been looking at my maps. <laughs> um, so we jump from there to a wildlife management area next. Yes. And we have lunch. And while we're having lunch, a couple of roosters <laughs> leave the cord. Well, we, we saw the speck on the road, like, how far away do you think that was? Maybe mm. 200, 200 yards. Yep. Yeah, and I'm just kind of staring at it, I'm like, is is that a is that a rooster? And the Matt chimes in. He's like, 
Yeah, I've been watching that for a while too. <laughs> so like we're, like, we're all just staring at things like in silence. Yeah. Everyone's looking yeah. at it, but nobody's acknowledging it. And uh, I'm like, does anybody have binoculars? And, yeah. and Megan did. She goes, oh, I do. And she went and grabbed him, confirmed it was a rooster, and then that pitched into the field. And then just as that one vanished, another bird pitched into the same area in the field we were going to hunt. So that kind of got the engine revving a little bit. It did, and that was beautiful cover. That was also mm-hmm. relatively newly seeded. Yeah, that was seeded. Uh, that would have been a second-year planting. Okay. Um, Yep. And it was really diverse. I mean, there was forbs yes. and grasses in there, too. Yes. Once it uh, gets established, usually, you know, the third, fourth year, it'll fill in a little more. And, it, I mean, this this summer and spring, it was just amazing. Just every color you could think of out there. Just a beautiful, beautiful sight. So it's hard, though, you know, because so many hunters come out to pheasant country now. Mm-hmm. And unless they go to the WIA with all the <laughs> blooming yellow yeah. uh, sunflowers, you know, this particular plot was really, you know, brown and, and looked like the rest, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to look beyond the color. And, you know, I'm hanging out with biologists like you, start to figure out, like, what a really me- weedy mess yeah. <laughs> looks like for birds. So try to explain that. Like what, what should, should somebody be looking for from the road to identify this is not your average pheasant habitat? As um, So are you looking for maybe uh, like a high quality, diverse Yeah, site? yeah. Um, yeah. So if I'm driving down the road and it's this season where there's nothing blooming, I'm looking for the little uh, – the heads, the seed heads Mm -hmm. on the different flowers that are getting ready. The seed heads haven't fallen yet. So you can see that um, the little bulbs on the top and you can see there's various different seed pods and the more that you see, the better the habitat. And you just can sort of see just different structures of the plants, right? Yep, the different various heights, um, the different types of seed pods out there and then you can see the different colors in the grasses Mm -hmm. so if you notice while we were walking you know we walked through that really uh pale yellow which was wheat grass Mm -hmm. and then if you're walking through big blue stem it's almost like purple Mm -hmm. and red so look for diversity and when you get into the more diverse ones i mean did you guys notice how many grasshoppers were in that particular i mean it was it was alive and could you walk through some of these, you know, monocultures of brome, mm-hmm. and it just feels stale, right? You can tell, yeah. You can tell. You can just, you can tell whether it's intellectually or you just, you just feel it's it. It's too uniform. <clears throat> right? I walked into this, and there's, and we've talked about it before, there's open space, mm-hmm. right? And there's, you can see the dirt in some places, and there's, and grasshoppers just because we haven't had a hard frost down here it's like boom 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 you know and we haven't cleaned the birds tonight but Mm -hmm. my assumption is there's grasshoppers in some of those right absolutely yeah so we went on a pretty significant hike around that property and there were birds that could have been connected on i heard some shots from the other end yeah (laughs) yeah i didn't actually shoot on that end i did (laughs) <laughs> so we walked down to where those uh, two birds we were talking about earlier went into the grass, and um, one of the dogs got birdie, and it got up, and Logan and I both shot at it and missed. So, 
there's that. And it, <laughs> I was on, I, I was kind of on a hiatus <laughs> on the other, other side of the road <laughs> searching um, a cornfield edge. And I heard a volley of shots. Well, oh. so you, you went on a walkabout. <laughs> yeah. I did go so, on a long So you walkabout. definitely, you know, are known for your signature walkabouts because, <laughs> you know, you follow the dog. And kudos to you. You should follow the dog. Um, so across the road from the property we were hunting, when we got to the back of it, there was more public. And there was this long strip right next to cut corn that was maybe 20 yards wide. Mm-hmm. And we all, we all stared at it. And we came to the conclusion, well, that's no good for this group, but we, we can't let it just Not, sit there right. somebody's got to go do it and so you had the young dog out yeah I'd get and with me. it's just bob take the dog take the cameraman just just go for it just to see what happens and the rest of us um, pivoted around the field and we started to work this draw because as megan alluded to and i'm glad she confirmed this because that's kind of how i felt I was like this needs like another year or two mm-hmm. to like really grow up it was just a little stocky a little bear yep. it was ankle grabbers it's you know it, it was great brood rearing habitat it's great though. for broods <laughs> it's tough on dogs pads Very and tough. It, it doesn't seem to hold birds yet in terms Not of like yet, a yeah. mature birds um, but in this draw there was a I, I don't know if it was wheatgrass with like some brome mixed mm-hmm. in but it was just kind of a, a mixture of different stuff that um seemed like it could hold some birds so we, we worked that through and then we hit a random fence in the, in the middle of, of, mm. of the property. It was an old grove, actually, before it was acquired as public land. It was a farmstead. Yeah, huh. so, so, this fence, yeah right? so this fence is still there, and we had never hunted this property before, and I wanted to make sure, like, can we just keep going the direction we're going, like right. hop the fence, or do we now need to, like, pivot around and work around this private property? So I, I'm monkeying around, looking at my Garmin. I'm yelling at Matt, like, can we go this way or should we go that yeah. way? And like, You guys were standing there for, like, it felt like a minute. Yeah, I well, was, was on the hill. Like, it was longer yeah. than a minute because, like, and Matt's yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> and so we had to, like, actually look up where we were and yeah. confirm where we could go. And as we're finally deciding which direction to walk, this lone rooster has just been, like, hearing our conversation <laughs> this whole time, just finally went nuts because he's like, oh, you can, people are too much. <laughs> and just and erupted right in the center of all of us. And by yeah. this time, it's kind of like a mini, like, semicircle. Yeah. And so the bird had to get out of ways because everyone kind of half draws their gun, uh, but it's like nobody had a people there, people lane, there, yep. people there, people there. And then right. finally it was far enough away to where it was like, bang, 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 bang. Everybody and, shot. Oh, yeah, and it just kept on going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just scared that one real good, though. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, we had – a fourth spot up our sleeve. Yeah. Or you did. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't me. Oh, that was Matt's That pick. was Matt, yep. And, well, there's one constant about pheasant hunting, and that's the golden hour. Oh, it was beautiful. What a great day. Our way to end of the day. So th- Redeemed well, ourselves. Talk us through it from your perspective. So, uh... Well, by that time, I was like, man, these guys are here. We need to get some birds. It's been a great day, but uh, we pulled up to this site, and it's, it was big and very diverse, well-established, and uh, we we got lucky, I think. We got, <laughs> we, we, they just started. They were everywhere. Yeah, the, the so we had everywhere. one, right? We had one bird in the bag at that for, point. For yes. five shooters, we had one bird, and we pulled up to this property, and, I mean, 
looking at the map, it seemed big enough to be a state park. It, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was ginormous, yeah. but it also had some of the key ingredients that we've been keying in on, which is corn, cut corn, mm-hmm. diverse habitat. And we knew we had one more walk in us, and so we wanted to play the wind. So we did the old shuttle trick mm-hmm. where we left a car where we thought we'd end so we could actually play against the wind for a majority of our golden hour walk. Right. And that seemed to be the right call. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the birds were every pocket of habitat we thought they might be, right? Because we went yeah. to the willows first. That's what I was just going to say. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. We were, so we got them out of a wetland. We got them out of the willows. We got them out of just straight, like, big blue stem, native grasses. Uh, got them out of the corn, the food plot. Oh. Um, is that it? I think. Uh, cornfield edge. The cornfield edge, yep. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I mean, they, they were in they were, every potential yeah. likely spot. So, so you live in pheasant country. I do. I'm very lucky. <laughs> do you, how many golden hours do you take advantage of? Because if I lived down mm-hmm. here, like, I'd work at 5.30 in the morning so I could get off work super early. It's my favorite time to go out because, I mean, okay, so you have, you can hunt all day. You get, well, we got a bird, yeah. right? Yeah. We hunted that spot for, what, an hour, hour and a half or something Hour and a like half, yeah. That. Yep. And. We had tons of action. Yes. Constant. Tons. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to try and think of like the number of flushes no. that we have to put on the stat tracker on roosterroadtrip.org. Uh, it's people. I'm gonna lie. <laughs> I, I, I have no. We got. I, we got separated no even. Yeah. I mean, because we had, like you say, <laughs> I'm Bob I notoriously followed a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I had. Uh, uh, have a personal talk with my shooting advisor too, <laughs> which it finally worked. But yeah, I mean, we were separated. Megan and I were together for a little while. Megan and I were separated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then your group uh, was along the cornfield edge and, and there was a fair amount of success yeah. to be had there. Yeah, we were, we were waiting for your walk about to end and we were, we were listening closely <laughs> to see if there'd be shots and if there was more than one shot or if swearing after the second. I don't on. normally so, swear. So we, we, were, we, were, we were just kind of waiting and, and, and then we all group, grouped back together and we were cutting through the corn uh, food plot just to get to the grass because the whole point was make a straight line through the, the food plot, through a creek, and then take a hard right north and work against the wind with the corn mm-hmm. to our left. That was the game plan. Yep. We almost never even got there. Right. No. Um, because once we cut through the, the food plot, we noticed all these birds spilling out of the back end of the corn back into the, the lowland, like the creek willow area that was closer to the trucks. It was closer to where we started. Mm-hmm. And so that's when everybody started high-stepping and almost back to the trucks because we wanted to – kind of covertly get back there, hook back in the field, and push into them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it worked like a dream because once we got within about 30 yards where we saw him pitch in, first one gets up. I take two shots. Logan took a shot. I don't know who hit it. I'll give it to Logan, I guess, this time. <laughs> I've had enough fun. <laughs> um, and then at the exact same time, another one gets up, and, and Megan connects with that yep. one. I shot at it, but – uh, no, Megan. <laughs> Megan crushed it so, after so, I missed. <laughs> so, so Megan made a, a no doubt, or there was no doubt there. Um, we were able to recover both birds, mm-hmm. um, and then we s- continued walking through this creek. And 
um, started to get into a more mature uh, tree stand. Mm -hmm. And that's where Bob had two different things happen. <laughs> he, he found redemption and he also participated in the upland like steeplechase you want to call it the steeplechase well I, i've never seen seen such an active athleticism from, from a man oh, in, in the upland so do you want to tell people kind of the, the scenario that went down there so i'm it's unbelievable how poorly i've been shooting right uh it just it's like i've been swinging at softballs all preseason with grouse hunting it's just snap shooting right for the most at least that's how I do it. And now these rockets of roosters <laughs> are coming out of the grass, and they're just Justin Verlander, 101-mile-an-hour fastballs, and I look like a minor <laughs> leaguer. Not a triple-A minor <laughs> leaguer. I look like a rookie ball fresh out of J school, you know, and, and I'm just struggling. And as you say, we we gotten a couple birds, and I missed a couple more. And it, thankfully, Megan redeemed <laughs> me, or not redeemed me, but took the pressure off because it, you know we we were having some success, even though I was in all these positions to make shots, and and at least we were getting these birds. And then we we go down into this willow patch, as like I felt like I was in rough grouse country because I could barely see the other side. Yeah. And that's when rooster kind comes across like boop, and that's the one I hit. You know, that one got like up right in front of me. Oh, I really? shot, I shot it at twice, so we're equal. Now. <laughs> so, so as it lands on the other side, right? There's mm -hmm. an irrigation ditch between us, and uh, the dogs. I, they must not have seen like the dogs were birdie that they, they got up the 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 bird, but I don't think they saw where it went down, which meant I became the dog. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, it, were you both athletes in in, in high school? Did no. you play high, high school <laughs> sports? I know you played degrees, football yeah. and. Yep. Um, you played college football a little bit, right? St. For a John. very short amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> so. I am now 46 years old, but in my mind, I'm still <laughs> like honest to God. I'm still like the high school athlete, and I, I was never a great hitter. But I, you know, like my entire high school baseball career, I made one error. You know, like I could go and get the ball, right? And because I was speedy, and mm -hmm. so. In my mind, when I approached that irrigation ditch today, <laughs> I was a center fielder for the Escanaba Eskimos. <laughs> <laughs> and I was still as spry as I once was at 18. And unfortunately, <laughs> there is video evidence that I am not. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't look at my phone while I'm driving, but uh, Aaron showed me the video <laughs> clip of me. He's in the passenger seat. He's like, you got to see this. I'm like, no, I don't want to see it. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, thankfully, I, you know, I, so I, I get to a, a, like a little peninsula to jump over that irrigation ditch. I, I think I'm, I'm, it's tight, but I think I could make it. You got close. <laughs> I saw it. I was right there. You got my, real close. Thank you for the kindness, but my, <laughs> my, my pants 
and my shoes and my socks and other parts of my clothing would say that <laughs> you're being far too kind because I did well, not get I mean, that close. You got over halfway. So I, <laughs> well, I, did, I did get over halfway. I, I basically went, I, I, I cleared with my right foot, mm-hmm. but my left foot was firmly in the mud. I and, did that uh, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not as bad as you but. <laughs> <laughs> so you know i'm i'm i'll do my darndest this evening because i'm rooming with Aaron, and i'll do my darndest to edit that portion out of the video but i don't <laughs> think i'm going to be successful so i'll i'll point uh listeners to the day two recap video it'll be on facebook on wednesday morning and you can see my athleticism and all its glory. <laughs> and of course, Andrew being, being Andrew, um, handed his shotgun and I'm going to make this distinction because you handed your shotgun to Aaron and said, I, well, I think I can clear it. And you basically just stepped across <laughs> it. I, I embellished how tough it was to try and make you feel better about your incident, <laughs> but, uh, you, you didn't buy it. How tall are you? I'm six, four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, I got over to the other side, and then Eski, of course, came with me and got the burns. Um, But that was was a very fun sequence, and um, we we continued on from there, and there was a lot of laughter, a lot of shooting, some missing. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, uh, we had – so you ended up with two, right? Megan, I you ended two. up with two. It was a very long, hard journey for me, but I ended up with two. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, it involved another walkabout, so nobody else got to see how I missed, you got the second. I missed two more <laughs> epic misses, and Aaron captured that on film, too, and he I was did. right next I to him. He, he actually walked back to, you know, because we were all in, in a group continuing to, to work north along the corn edge. And he just had to admit it right away. He's like, man, I got another one. I'm like, another one? He's like, another perfectly framed, like, flushing shot with the hunter in it and and a whiff. And, and it was Bob again. Yeah. And, like, I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I, I, I'm starting to feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was quiet in the train. He's like, I'm really sorry. Like, it's not the first time I've went on a cold streak. It's okay. I mean, it, you know, it, <clears throat> I, I I make no bones about it. I'm a very average shot, and you know normally um, not this bad. <laughs> but I I went I, I had to have a talk with my shooting coach, Eski. Eski kind of talked me up, and she, she pointed perfectly pointed a rooster. Is like, Dad, there's one right here, and there was. And it got up, and it was a very, very easy shot. And uh, finally, bagged my second one. There was no trees involved. There was no excuses, and uh, uh, it was wonderful. And and that's you know you miss you you remember those misses too, and they may they do they do make you appreciate that these you know for folks that haven't ever pheasant hunted, they see it on TV, especially they see the you know manufactured game farm like a rooster every five steps the the perception is is this is these these birds were raised or you know created in this habitat just to die in front of hunters and that couldn't be 
farther from it's just bs these these birds like whitetails or elk or you know i'm not claiming that a pheasant is as wily as a as an elk but they have a will in a wild instinct to evade you and your dog they have and very good strategies they're 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 <laughs> more effective than than they're not and um, and they're just, fast. Yep, it just goes to, to show that uh, they're hard to hunt, and we left a lot out there for folks. We so we, we had a great uh, end of our day today. What a beautiful way to the end it of the day. The sunset was, was gorgeous. We had heavy Perfect. game bags, and there we left Perfect plenty weather. out there for people. So I skipped one thing that I wanted to bring up during um, the lunch portion of the conversation, which was – I'm going to say it. It was the highlight of my day. The The mud retrieve was not the highlight of my <laughs> day, although I look back on it fondly now. I was wowed after we finally got the jar open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, that, that wasn't the lunch break. That, that, was, was, that was the that uh, was golden hour appetizer. <laughs> golden yeah. hour appetizer. So, I'm gonna, so it was the Bloody Mary asparagus. And for listeners, they hear Bloody Mary and they, they're going to think automatically vodka. And there was not any alcohol. Explain what Bloody yes. Mary asparagus was. Okay. So I love picking wild asparagus and I love canning. So I uh, made, I love Bloody Marys too. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I made Bloody Mary asparagus. So it's just asparagus with uh, it's half. It's like you're pickling it, Mm -hmm. but you add Bloody Mary mix to it. So um, and a jalapeno and jalapeno because that's the killer, right? It's just enough to get a little spice, but not enough to make you not want to eat it. How long um, do those preserve for? Oh, they'll be good for years. Okay. Yep. um, And you made that all this spring? Yep, I did. So, and do you sell that somewhere at no. Etsy or any? Because no, I want to buy a case. I'll make you some. <laughs> that, I mean, folks. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to put a recipe on the blog. So the, the the next thing is your your roasted pheasant recipe. So yes. will you put just the like the how to Bloody Mary asparagus as sort of a a chaser yep. to the other recipe. When Absolutely. Re- <laughs> okay. I love sharing recipes, especially when it's dealing with wild game or foraging or anything that comes from the land, I guess. Because I'm convinced that jalapeno like straightened out my shooting. <laughs> it probably did. <laughs> I'll take credit for that. I'll take credit for that. All right. So it, it, you lit up today when you were talking about habitat. Mm-hmm. You lit up today when you were talking about Brock. Yeah. In your dogs. You lit up today when you when we finally got that jar of Bloody Mary's <laughs> But when you exploded was when we started talking about Burrell mushrooms. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> right? I can't Did you see it, it when oh we yeah. first started? Oh yeah. I love Morel mushrooms. So in when I lived in Iowa, you could go and you'd find pounds and pounds because I lived along the Des Moines River. I moved to southwest Minnesota, and there's not a lot of trees here. There's not a lot of morel mushrooms here, but I'm in year four now, and I'm figuring it out. So I've finally been able to have enough to do some cooking with them and some preserving. So um, I love and that and wild leeks. So we were, uh, I think it was lunchtime maybe, we were talking about what we were going to do with 
The birds. I think are. it was it was during the Bloody Mary asparagus portion of the day. Was we, it? I, I think so. That we. No. Started. I don't think so. No, no so, it so was it at okay. Lunch was when um, the the pheasant recipe came up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because she revealed the fact that she's a she's a forager, she's a foodie, she's a hunter, mm-hmm. and she also crushes fish, which we haven't touched oh, on. Oh, that's yet. right. <laughs> Just bring me back. I'll talk fishing all day long. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us about roasted pheasant okay. with morels and, and ramps. So, oh, you! I think we were talking about whether I was going to freeze it or something like that. Mm, I was like, I want right. to eat it fresh because I love right. eating fresh meat. And so my favorite way to cook a fresh pheasant is to, if you can pluck it, pluck it. And then um, wrap like four pieces of bacon around it. Um, and then you take onions cranberries and apples and you stuff it and you roast it okay and then as a side um that's where the morels come in and wild leeks i uh when the season's in i make a lot of uh ramp butter and uh i'll freeze ramps and morels so i make this wild uh wild ramp and morel couscous wow and it is amazing and you're gonna write a blog for us with the recipe yes and you have to try it. Oh, there's no doubt. You just doubt. have to. It's amazing. How do? How am I going to get morels? Oh, man, I can't get you those. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you asparagus. I will not give you my morels. They're like gold. <laughs> well, we can buy some off the internet. I yeah. Think. <laughs> yeah, they're like $120 a pound. They're it's so like expensive. Insane. Yeah. And they're dried, so they're not even that good. And, it, you know, the other thing we talked about is how many years you've been working at Pheasants Forever? Four years. Four years. Yep. And you talked about wanting to be on the road trip. Oh, my gosh, yes. When I first got hired here, it, I think it was week three, we were at a uh, some meeting up north. And I was just in a hotel talking to some of my new coworkers and my boss. And my boss was like, Talk, he was talking about how he had went on Rooster Road Trip, and I was like, Tanner, you have to get me on Rooster Road Trip. <laughs> like, I have to hunt Rooster Road Trip. I never thought it would happen. <laughs> and here I am. It was such a fantastic experience, you know, to come. I, I see you guys once a year, once every other year mm. for meetings or whatever, but um, beyond that, we haven't spent a lot of time together. But I feel like today we – I went out and hunted with a bunch of good old friends that I've known for quite a while. It was just such a spectacular day. Yeah. I couldn't have asked for a better opportunity. It, you know, I, I know I, I feel the same way. I mean, you're a terrific hunter. I love Biscuit. I love her too. Right? You guys are going to have to invite me back so I can bring Quincy. Well, you're coming <laughs> back with us tomorrow, right? I know, but Quincy's. Quincy's only four yeah, and a half months it, old. Yeah, he's not old. Well, I like the fact you're, you're already trying to make a plug for yourself to I'm, for another year because I'm, that means we weren't like a complete letdown. No, I had so much fun. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of logistics. It I is. mean, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that like slows down the mm-hmm. hunt. Like we have to stop and, and do things. And so I, I was, I always get worried about people just assume, oh, you're just going to hunt all day and it's mm-hmm. nothing but, but laughs and, and roosters. And there's a lot of that, but, but there's, there's some work, work too. And. I always kind of get worried that, you know, 
people like you who are going out of their way to tell their story, to tell their, to show their vantage point of the organization and all the important work that's going on in the field. Like I feel pressure to make sure that like they're getting something out of it too. Just like I felt pressure when you're coming to my county <laughs> and I'm like, where am I going to take these guys? <laughs> no, it was just amazing. It was perfect. And you know, those stops and all the, you know, the cameramen and, you know, uh, recapping those, those things are so important to me because I'm here for the same reason you guys are just telling the story. We, you know, mm -hmm. that's what Rooster Road Trip is about, right? Yep. Nailed it. Man, she's she's good. She's she's making a strong push. <laughs> <laughs> well, she could replace me as a shooter for sure. <laughs> Asky might might give that. her a wink yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of business, we do want to um, first of all thank our our partners, our sponsors that uh, that make this happen from a financial perspective. Browning. Uh, providing the shotguns and the gear, the, the clothing that you see us wearing in all the photos. They are the official license partner of uh, Pheasants Forever with all the apparel, um, bird and light vest, uh, shooting shirts, brand new line uh, that was out last year. And it's <clears throat> there's a blog that got posted yesterday, and it'll show you the different stores around the country where you can pick up the Browning line. And it sold out last season, so don't really? wait. Um, and every time you buy a piece of Browning clothing featuring the Pheasants Forever logo, you're helping support our, our wildlife habitat mission. Same thing goes for federal ammunition. So when you're picking up uh, Prairie Storm, um, now available in 16-gauge and 28-gauge, uh, uh, look for the Pheasants Forever logo on boxes of federal ammo, and that's also supporting our mission. Same thing with Rufflin kennels. You can find uh, dog kennels um, made out of the uh, T South Dakota National Partler Partner Rufflin Kennels, and they have our logo on them as well. Uh, Sound Gear, uh, the featured hearing protection of not only the Rooster Road Trip, but our national sponsor. Garmin, our good buddy uh, Rayhan, who, who we mentioned earlier, used to be the public relations manager for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, and now is in charge of Garmin's uh, bird dog um, line of products, including the brand new Alpha 200i. And there's a uh, blog about the 200i on the website right now that Andrew wrote. Uh, last night so that's live as well and tell you all about how the alpha 200i merges e-collar gps and in reach satellite communications all uh, the next thing garmin's going to figure out is how to translate bird dog into text for me to understand although i i wouldn't want esky to translate <laughs> that might be a, a little English. a little too far it's the whole theme of the blog um that we posted today was kind of there's a certain crowd that is like when it was enough enough mm -hmm. like it's not even hunting mm -hmm. anymore it's 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 gone too far and my rebuttal for this particular unit is no it's gone just far enough <laughs> yeah. like this is this is like perfection yeah. in, in a dog tracking and, and training unit and, and you know i think about the trip we made into the boundary waters a year ago bird hunting grouse hunting. i mean this is the absolutely 
perfect unit for people that do the badass backcountry bird hunting, whether it's the boundary waters or chucker hunting, or I mean, even just your back, your neighborhood North Dakota trip. I mean, we've talked about the the gentleman a couple years ago broke his leg and had to crawl to I ninety four to get seen, and if he had this uh, unit, he could have texted uh, for help. Well, anything. Any piece of tech, whether it's you know the, the Garmin product we're talking about or anything out anything else out there, that gives people confidence to go hunt when perhaps they wouldn't have before, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think is a positive. Yeah. Um, Megan, I know you do a lot of solo hunting. Mm-hmm. There, there's yep. a little bit of anxiety there. There is absolutely. The, we were just talking about that today. Actually, duck hunting. I uh, the second walk-in access uh, area we were at was the first. That was the first time I ever went duck hunting alone. Hmm. And it can be challenging in the water when yeah. you're duck hunting alone. Right on. So anything yeah. that gives you that confidence to know that you can do that safely, because it is an extreme sport. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and rounding out our partners, Apple Autos, uh, and you guys are riding the uh, Ford F-150 uh, black truck with the Rooster Road Trip rack. Uh, wrap and that is a really good looking Sharp vehicle talk. yeah it is i need my picture in front of it <laughs> <laughs> it, r- it rides great too I, all i know is in, in a week when i or in less than a week when i go home to to my my normal rig and i'm sitting about six inches lower in the ground <laughs> mm-hmm. and be like oh <laughs> <laughs> and then uh finally on the sponsor front uh responsible recreation um hashtag responsible recreation take the pledge uh, during this pandemic, get outside, utilize our public lands, and uh, share the experience, socially distance with with others. And you don't have to be socially distant from your bird dog, but uh, bird hunting is a perfect way to, to go enjoy um, Mother Nature, even in a pandemic. So take the pledge at responsible-recreation.org. And then uh, before we get to the the regular Instagram questions. Tell us about the membership offer that's running on roosterroadtrip.org. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody should go to roosterroadtrip.org, sign up, renew, or extend your membership. You'll get a, a brand new Browning Prism 3 knife with a great um, burnt orange metallic handle. It looks sweet. It's awesome little everyday carry. And then uh, more importantly, you'll be automatically entered to win the Browning Satori 12 gauge. Um, it's a white lightning that, that I've been shooting. And I, I, I did miss a couple of times mm-hmm. now. So it's, it's not perfect, <laughs> but it's pretty darn close. It's, <coughs> it's shooting better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you're not getting Bob's gun. People at home, do not fret. Sign up. <laughs> the, the gun's good. I, I, I can guarantee you that. Ed, folks, I, I'm certain that a lot of people are listening on their way to South Dakota for the opener, which is coming up this weekend. Uh, we know that a lot of people binge listen to, to the podcast to and from bird hunting trips. You've read the stories about what this pandemic has done for conservation organizations. 200 chapter banquets were canceled this spring. That represents something on the magnitude of about, about 20,000 members of Pheasants Forever that are in limbo uh, for renewing. That's incredibly important. Membership is incredibly important. 
to an organization like ours. We are user-generated, crowdsourced. Uh, we are a nonprofit group that needs members. So if you're listening to the podcast, if you're one of those new people that have jumped back into pheasant hunting because the bird numbers are so excellent this year, um, it's 35 bucks. It's $35 to, to join the cause Help us create habitat. Help us create public lands. It's tax deductible. It's the right thing to do, and we flat out need you. We need you now more than ever before. The bird numbers may be great, but we need you to join the organization. And we got this kick-ass offer <laughs> for you to win a Browning shotgun Satori that almost never misses <laughs> almost, so, almost. so 35 bucks folks I, you, you've listened to 90 plus episodes of this podcast i ask you to join but i very rarely beg and plead i'm begging and pleading it's hunting season the bird numbers are good we need you roosterroadtrip.org all right thank you Let's go to those Instagram questions. You're going to help me answer these Instagram questions. Oh, maybe? she's she's the star I, of the I show. Can try. Pump, I don't perfect. Know. So, um, unbeknownst to her, because although she has an Instagram account, she doesn't use it um, yet. No, it's it's fine. I, I don't judge, but I, I <laughs> it felt kind of judgy. <laughs> I, I I specifically wanted to know um, if people have questions for Megan, um, knowing that she's an expert in her field and perfect. Uh, so some of these are, are for you, and only okay. you can answer them. All right, I'm stuck. And this, for the first question I'm going to ask actually plays into another part of your background that we haven't uh, touched on because you're, not, you're an onion. You're just lots of layers here. <laughs> um, are we going to talk walleye fishing? Yeah. Nope, nope. So oh, man, I got excited there. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is, this should get you going, too. It's about fire. All right. Yes, we were just talking about that today. Yep. So uh, Megan volunteers for the DNR um, to help prescribe burns. Uh, and this question is, what is the biggest hindrance to more people doing burns? Is it cost or is it apprehension to see fire? Can you? Okay. So I think one of the biggest challenges with prescribed fire, um, from my perspective, is getting people to do it. But getting why? people qualified to do it ah. think about the liability of a volunteer going out to burn an 80 acre prairie you can't just sign anybody up you have to have the you can't and you can't just go out and say hey i want to burn you have to be you have to take classes and you have to get certified so i think that is one of the biggest challenges um for prescribed fire and, you know, there is always the um, perception and maybe lack of education on the benefits of prescribed fire that can get in the way. But I would say from my experience here in, well, Minnesota and Iowa, there was a lot of trouble getting enough people hmm. and um, well, getting that, that, that makes perfect sense to me mm -hmm. because we were having a conversation earlier and she was making a play at getting her videographer Aaron <laughs> to, to volunteer because people don't know this, but uh, in a former life, Aaron was a fire boss and mm -hmm. he was a part of the yes. fire crew um, out I, west. He like said big burn fire. boss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Big, yep. 
He said burn boss. And I was like, my eyes lit up. I was Mm. like, oh, did you know you can volunteer with the DNR? She's like, you're going to be a volunteer. (laughs) (laughs) We need you. I was like, you need to get out there and do it. What a better way to, I mean, he just moved to Minnesota like a year Mm -hmm. ago, right? Yep. Um, His hunting boots or the boots that he's wearing are actually his custom made fire boots. Really? Yeah. That's well, cool. I guess we're going to twist his arm a little bit, yes. although he, he wants to play the drip torch. I, I, I think know he it. does, yeah. too. Um, okay, next question. What is the key to getting landowners interested in enrolling land into the walk-in access program? <laughs> the biggest challenge I have with the walk-in access program is getting the word out so people know it exists. Hmm. Once people – and explaining it correctly, letting them know that they're not going to have liability if somebody comes out there and breaks their leg. Mm -hmm. Um, That's probably one of the biggest issues I see. Hmm. Okay. All right. We'll end it on this one. Okay. I'm opening it up to the floor. Megan, you got this. (laughs) Because it has to do with what I hinted at way in the beginning of this podcast, and that's wind. And the forecast tomorrow Mm. has gusts of 30 plus miles an hour. Mm -hmm. That's windy. Mm -hmm. That's that's real windy. That's not fun. That's where those garments more than a a walleye chop. Yeah, it is. So this question (laughs) is: What is a good hunt strategy for a windy day? Wow. You live out here. The wind never stops blowing. It doesn't. (laughs) I don't have. Do you even notice anymore? Do you even have a strategy? No, no. I wish <laughs> I wish I had a Garmin. That's what I wish, because that's that's challenging with a dog. If you know, I worry about the dog getting turned around, not knowing mm-hmm. where you are, and then you're chasing the dog. Especially miles. if you drop a bird into the corn, mm-hmm. like you're walking a corn. Mm-hmm. That's really because sc- it's so loud in the corn, and they yeah. get turned around very mm-hmm. easily. All right, strategy. What do you think? I don't know. I guess for if it's super, if we're talking winds like tomorrow, I honestly just wouldn't go. <laughs> well, no. 30, 30, 40 mile an hour winds is not fun. So, well, the first, the two obvious are the first hour of the morning and the golden mm-hmm. hour, right? I mean, in your walk in the edge, well, the morning you're going to have the dew. That's going to help the dogs. Once that wind gets howling, it's going to get tougher, mm-hmm. right? Um, then I would say draws. you're going to work into the yeah. wind and find the draws, yeah. right? Find cattail edges, willow mm-hmm. thickets, try to get out of the wind because the birds are probably going to get out of the wind, right? Yep. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree, agree with that because windy days seem to make birds jumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem a little harder to, to sneak up on. Mm-hmm. So you just have to key in on that thicker cover that's going to make them feel more protected and they might hold a little mm-hmm. bit tighter. Because um, as we saw throughout today, as the wind continued to pick up throughout yep. the day, those birds were just bubbling up all over the place. And it's not because we were, we were close. Uh, do you have any shooting tips for me tomorrow in the wind, <laughs> Megan? Shoot ahead of them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Lead them a little more. <laughs> You're going to join us tomorrow, even yes. it's going to be windy? Yes. Good. Yes. Good. No, you guys, this... Okay, so where we're at in southwest Minnesota is legitimately one of the windiest places in the United States. Mm. Like, you can look at the National Weather Service and see this. 40-mile-an-hour winds is not fun, but yes, I will be there. It'll be fun tomorrow. It's going to be a blast. Good.
And we have the morning. I think it's supposed to pick up at like one o'clock. So Excellent. have to get after it. Strong start. It today was awesome. Thanks oh for being with us. Oh my gosh. I had such a fantastic day. Thank you guys for the opportunity. You guys have to have me back, though. That's the stipulation. <laughs> <laughs> you make a strong case. So tomorrow we're gonna start. You're oh, back. Yeah. You're in the game. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh day two was wonderful. Please check out the the video, and um, we will be back to recap day three from Southwest Minnesota. If we don't blow away. If we don't go. (laughs) I think, well, we'll see. Based on my ability to jump over (laughs) drainage ditches, I'm not as light as I once was. (laughs) If we would have had that wind, you probably would have made it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the confidence. All right, folks, thanks for listening. I'm Bob St. Pierre saying always, what do I say, Andrew? I, I can't remember. It's it's something about, like, ignoring your dog. Going on a walkabout. <laughs> it was ignore the group, just follow the dog. Is that what it is? Ignore, ignore the, group, the group, follow the dog. Hunt by yourself, always follow the dog. Something good will rise. Thanks, folks.